This is a podcast about how we can let the life of Christ live itself out in our everyday lives. In each episode, we take an everyday topic and talk about how we are encouraged and challenged in that aspect of life to embody and reflect the characteristics of Christ. We're not perfect. We're not experts. We're regular women who are seeking, like you, to embody holiness in our everyday. So if you don't feel spiritual, if you aren't sure how to grow in holiness, or if you just like some company on the journey, then you're in the right place. I'm Lindsay Lewis. I'm Lyra Christensen. And I'm Susan Eaton. Thanks for being a part of the community and conversation as we learn how to embody holiness together. Welcome back. We're so glad you're with us, continuing our study in Reclaiming Joy. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun so far. I know, fear and content. Yeah, those are super fun. I can't wait (laughs) to hear what we're going to talk about today. What you got? I I got valleys, quarreling, and opposition. Yes. I mean, excitement. (laughs) I didn't realize our podcast was becoming such a downer. So depressing. (laughs) I think we're going to learn a lot from it, though. I think so, too. I think we'll learn some good things about ourselves, hopefully how to relate to others and some situations that we don't want to be in i hope we're learning some positive things or else (laughs) why we did the study and i feel worse about myself than when i before i did it well susan i think you should start us off by just kind of grounding us in where we are in this story of isaac okay isaac is in this new place that god has asked him to move to and he does everything wrong basically he's sounds like my life yeah I, i can relate um probably why I related with Isaac when I why I wrote this study but he he goes in he's living out of fear he makes a lot of assumptions about the people that already lived there he tells some lies he um, causes lots of problems and he holds a lot of contempt in his heart um, for these people he doesn't really know a lot about and now he's created a situation where they don't trust him I can't imagine. As far as they could throw him. <laughs> you know, he has really um, kind of got himself relationally sideways with these people. And so where we are today, though, is that even though Isaac was functioning out of fear and he was making poor decisions, he's prospering. And so the people that he's been a jerk to are envious of him and they're really jealous. And so their response is we don't we don't want you here anymore. Go away. You've become too powerful for us. So Isaac has to pack up all his stuff and all his family and move out. And he winds up in a valley. And we know what valleys mm-hmm. represent, not only just physically, but mentally, spiritually. That's kind of a low place where you've got to work out some probably some difficult times, mm-hmm. maybe a little depressed, feel real low. And things aren't going the way you think you want them to go. Mm-hmm. But, t- but valleys could also represent other kind of things, too. Because yeah, I'd love that, that Susan put this in the study because we certainly have all experienced that emotional valley. Um, I don't know if we've been in the physical valley as Isaac was, but I, I just underlined this part. I loved it so much. Valleys can also be places where hope is restored, where comfort's given, and where we begin to see a way forward. And when I look back on my life and the experiences that I've had, every valley that that God has carried me through has always been an opportunity to grow and to learn. And there is a great comfort in in those times when you can't rest in your own sufficiency. You you have to rely on the grace and love of God. And it's really crazy to say this, but it's a blessing. 
And isn't that funny? In church just this week, we were talking about how suffering can actually, um, it can be a blessing in, in that um, in that way. If last week, Susan, I think you concluded last week by, by saying, own your stuff. So own like, your junk. Own, own your junk. Own your That's junk. what it was. It was so much more eloquent than my way. Own your junk. Yeah. Hashtag own your junk. Well, I think here Isaac is now in a place where he is, he's got to do the work, man. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're in the valley and, and your Lord's promises will be, um, they will come true. But you got to do something. And mm-hmm. so and Isaac gets to work. And that's mm-hmm. a great lesson for us. And we're going to get to that in the next day. But before we launch into Isaac doing his work, I do want to pull out Psalm 84. They're on their way to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And it says that they have to go through the valley of weeping on their way to worship, on their way to praise, on their way to the presence of God. And it doesn't say like, if you go through the valley of weeping, the psalm actually says when they walk through the valley of weeping, which just reminded me that our journeys consist of valleys. You're not going to be able to just live this life without hard times hitting you whether you are the creation of your hard time because you've been a jerk (laughs) to the people around you can be that sometimes or situations out of your control Mm -hmm. are why you're in a valley why you're in that depressed or low place that challenging difficult place and what psalm 84 gets into is how the tears that the people are crying on their journey through this valley of weeping, when they turn their eyes to the Lord and they focus on his presence, not way, way far away up there on the mountain and like, oh, if I could only get to God's presence, then everything would be fine. But when they realize God's present with them in the valley, then their tears that are just gushing out of their little eyeballs are actually landing on the ground and they turn into springs that form these wells that give life and create new life. And when I read that, I thought that is an image that I need to hold on to when I'm in one of those deep, dark, painful, difficult valleys. That is powerful. Yeah, Yeah, that God is not waiting for me on the other side of a hard time, that God is present with me in the midst of the hard time, even if I've created the hard time myself, Mm -hmm. and he can transform it. And sometimes I feel like I don't see that till I'm on the other side of whatever. I finally have come out of this valley, and I can look back and say, oh my gosh, I didn't see it then, but I see it now. Had he not been with me in that valley, Mm -hmm. you know, what would have happened? I mean, it it would have come out the same probably, but I, I don't recognize it. And then it's like, oh gosh, thank you God for being there with me. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those deep spiritual truths that if we can, if we can grab onto that and really understand that even if I'm suffering, that I'm, I might be sitting in a place of suffering, but I'm sitting there at the same time with the hope of the Lord and the mm-hmm. presence of God and that I can actually find joy And I can actually discover a purpose and I can actually see a good future ahead of me while I'm still in the valley, while I'm still sitting next to suffering. In the suffering. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. And it's hard because I would rather God come and kick the butt of of the suffering. (laughs) Just take you right out of it and put you on that mountain and say, helicopter fly me right on out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I don't, I certainly don't want to invite the valleys I don't know that any of us you know look to the Lord and say Lord please drop me in the middle of a valley right now but there is so much to be gained and it is also 
very difficult when you are on that mountaintop sometimes to fully embrace the blessings that God has given you, to fully embrace um, who he is mm-hmm. and, and his true strength. But when you're in the valley and you have nothing else, there is you don't get to stand on your own strength and your own accomplishments. Your, you know, Isaac had wealth and power. Um, it's harder. It's harder at that time to really recognize. Uh, and I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's mm-hmm. it's much harder. And so in those valleys, God teaches me a lot of things. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I don't want to invite the valleys, but I know that they will come. And I also have the hope in Christ that I will get through them with him. And that there will be goodness that comes from that. And mm-hmm. that's that's a, a, a wonderful hope for us that's to That's a have. comforting hope. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a good word for when we get sideways in our relationships and we're in that kind of a valley. When we feel like we've really wrecked them, some things with the people around us and we've lost the trust of the people around us. Or there's just a lot of animosity going on between us and one other person or several other people or our group and their group and we we talked about that last week Mm -hmm. you know and um that's that's a yucky valley to be in you know the the valley of wrecked relationships Mm -hmm. um and so what are we going to do you know are we gonna just go oh well i guess this is the way it is from now on I guess we just live with wrecked relationships Mm -hmm. and there's no hope for that either. You know, what if we can bring the presence of God into the valley of wrecked relationships? And that's what we're going to see here. And as we follow Isaac's life, you know, but he's got some work. Like you said, Lindsay, he's got some work to do. And um, that's where we get to next. Unstopping the wells. Yeah, but this is a big deal because, I mean, water is what brings life. Uh, and these yeah. were Abraham's wells, so they were a part of that promise. And it was very symbolic of of where God's people were at that moment. Mm-hmm. That the their wells that had been dug by Abraham and um, represented life and the promises they were they were not working. They mm-hmm. were they were filled up by the enemy mm-hmm. and um, could not allow the people to be prosperous. So, um, what are you going to do? You got to mm-hmm. unstop the wells. And I think that's what I started digging out of it was, no pun intended, I started <laughs> I started digging out here that it's like, what kind of wells get stopped up in my life? And I started thinking about a time in our life when our well of sufficiency got stopped up and renamed scarcity by the enemy mm-hmm. because our family went through a very specific financial season of great distress <laughs> weeping and gnashing of teeth and and I, all I could do to unstop that well was to just trust God for daily bread and thank him for every little provision that came our way to be generous even in the midst of the strain and to just wait patiently for God to provide and then once we were on the other side of that to share the story of how God had been faithful was a part of that. And so that's what I, I uncovered myself about like, how do we unstop wells? Like, how is it when I get in one of those low challenging places? So like financial distress is a valley. Mm -hmm. How do I look in that valley and go, gosh, I really am functioning out of scarcity more than 
in the sufficiency of God. And so that's not just a financial problem. That's a spiritual problem. Mm -hmm. And I think my financial problem can be solved by fixing my spiritual problem and trusting the Lord and letting him enter into this situation and carry me through it and provide. And he did. And when you tell that story, I always think about how the first time you said it, I was just wowed by the whole, like, let God into your financial insecurity Mm -hmm. like how often do we say dear god here's my here's my checkbook look at it what do you think you know Mm -hmm. it's not something we think about other than on the typical tithing speech every year Mm -hmm. for the church that it's more than just on that tithing side but on the side that regardless he will provide and Mm -hmm. not not just financially Mm -hmm. but to let him into that side of your life is not something we really talk about all that often Oh, yeah. And y'all might remember my story that the day it all just kind of clicked for me, it was like, well, you've got a choice here. Are you going to hang on to your stuff? Right. Or are you are you going to choose that? Or are you going to choose the Lord? And I was like, ooh, I don't want to choose that over you. Yeah. Never. Like, take it all. Like, I know. I know clearly what the choice is. But if I weren't in the valley, mm-hmm. would I have seen that I was all stopped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I needed to unstop a well and I needed to claim my identity as one of God's children who he saw and cared about and cared about the teeny weeny little details of our financial life, you know, mm-hmm. and would help us even there. One well, so. season, when we did this study a few years ago, the first time, my family was in um, a very hurt place and reconciliation did not even seem like a possibility and Mm. so when I read maybe he's named your well of hope hopelessness Mm. I remember that distinctly I remember us saying things like well it's too far gone now Mm. it will never you know this is how it's going to be forever Um, or imagining even worst case scenarios or giving ourselves well it's either this or this and they're both terrible scenarios Mm. and we had named we had renamed that well hopelessness. Mm. It was too far gone. It was too big for the Lord. There was no way that there could ever be reconciliation. Mm. And I'm so glad to say there has been reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And the Lord has taught us so many things <laughs> um, and is continuing, continuing to teach us lessons from that situation um, that's, that has changed every person in my family significantly. Wow. You look back and realize that the Lord brought us through that, not so that we can turn around and in the next situation, go right back to that place of hopelessness. We've been freed from that. Mm -hmm. And we um, initially were in a place of um, contention and opposition and quarreling. And we were going to fight our way out because Mm -hmm. we were right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you have ever been that kind of right before. Um, And it wasn't until we could come to a place where we had to release that. And I think we see that in Isaac, Mm -hmm. that he, he, was doing the work and he continued to have opposition and as the story goes on it was one thing after another which is exactly how most of us feel <laughs> um, as those valleys seem to get deeper and deeper and deeper but he made a distinct choice to approach it differently and that's what I found in the study that was so profound to me is that that's a choice that we make and I loved when you wrote this as long as we continue to engage in quarreling with those who oppose us we are in bondage tied to our enemy mm-hmm and I felt like bullseye, you know, mm-hmm. that I very often have tied myself to the enemy. 
by my own attitudes and behaviors and wanting desire to be right, desire for things to work out in the way that I see fit. And um, when we can release those things and we can just do the good work and mm-hmm. let God be God, mm-hmm. um, then, then we are freed. We're freed from the bondage of contention and opposition. Paul actually says the spirit of God, his characteristics will not manifest in your life if you're embracing those characteristics and attitudes that are actually in opposition to his spirit. You know, so now instead of me just being in opposition with another person and demanding respect and demanding to be right, I'm actually creating an environment within my own soul where I am in direct opposition with the Spirit of God. Wow. That went, I mean, that just really kind of freaked me out the first time I realized that in a good way. Yes, I don't right. mean God is scary. I mean, Lord, I cannot believe I have not seen this, that when I sit in that space of that kind of nastiness with other people and refusing to forgive and demanding all my rights, that I'm in opposition to you. Mm-hmm. I am opposing your spirit. And you just want to flourish in my life. And you just want an environment where that can happen. And I'm stopping up my own wells again Yeah. when I do that. And, you know, life doesn't happen where there's no water. Yeah. Right? I, again, I've got to have the wells open in yeah. order to thrive. And, Susan, you know, you, you talked about recognizing the choice when it says, when the Lord said to you, well, is, do you per, do you choose this over me? There have been many times that I have, have prayed, um, you know, Lord, release me from this because I don't want to choose this over you. I don't mm-hmm. want to choose harboring um, these bad feelings um, toward other people. Um, I don't want to choose strife and jealousy and anger and quarreling, even if I think I'm right. I don't want to choose that over you. I don't want it to physically and emotionally and spiritually damage me. And we know that. I mean, research shows us how harboring those feelings mm-hmm. can have a physical effect on us. But people like to keep their, keep you with them there. They're going to engage you in that and keep you in that quarreling almost to keep, I had to say, control over that situation mm-hmm. and how important it is to move on past that and, like you said, not give it what you're supposed to be giving to God. And really where we're going to get in the study is sometimes you have to move away from certain toxic environments. Sometimes it's not going to get better and there's really no reason for you to remain in that space. But there are, there's the possibility that us changing how we're reacting instead of giving back what we're getting when we treat people with the love of Christ and we have the humility and the compassion of Christ we become change agents, change agents. Yeah, and that word humility was exactly what I was thinking at the time was that we have to humble ourselves and we don't always want to. because It's hard work. Yeah. Hashtag do the work. And humbling Mm -hmm. yourself is not an admittance of guilt. Humbling Mm -hmm. myself is not saying whatever you've done was right, but it's saying that I would rather be filled with the love of Christ than to hold on to these negative feelings that are only keeping me tied to the enemy. I don't want to delight the enemy. Mm-hmm. And I know that when we are, and I think about, you know, f- from the perspective of our nation right now, 
I think the enemy is delighted. Oh my gosh. Because be. we are in a contentious place. There is so much opposition, mm-hmm. not just in the world, in our churches, mm-hmm. you know, even in our homes um, to some extent. And and we don't want the enemy to be delighted. We we want to humble ourselves and say, you know, Lord, you've got this. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't have to be right or I don't, everybody doesn't have to know that I'm right, mm-hmm. um, that I want to be filled with your love and I want to see those things come out in my behaviors. And um, and I, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I I'm, I don't see those in in what's coming out in my behaviors, and that's why I have to di- you know that's when you got to get into mm-hmm. those wells, and you find some stuff you don't like. Mm-hmm. But um, you know it's incredible to me that Isaac's story is an old 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 story, and it's about my life today. It's still <laughs> relevant today. It? It's you know it's it's yeah it's got Lindsay written all over it. It's Your name here. Yeah yeah. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was remembering this question that I came across in a Bible study I did years ago and it was this what would cheat me of you lord oh wow and i think too often we're asking what would cheat me of more of this world mm-hmm. what right. will cheat me of the money i'm owed right I should get, or yes. the car i should drive or the house that i should live in or the respect i deserve mm-hmm. or the recognition i deserve what would cheat me of that and instead it's no, Lord, what would cheat me of you? And so if grabbing onto this thing or demanding this thing would cheat me of the Lord and the flourishing of the spirit in my life, I really need to say, I don't want it. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with that. And that is hard. And it is hashtag do the work. because <laughs> It is a lot of work sometimes. And I have found that I've done the work and I get so proud of myself and Gosh, Lord, high five. We did the work and look at us. And, and he's like, yeah. And then, oh, give me a year. And then, yeah. Why am I doing the same work I already <laughs> did? And I, sometimes I feel like some of the battles are like laundry. They just keep showing back up every <laughs> week. Yeah. I do tell a little bit of, of one of those stories in, in this study of being faced again with battles I thought I'd already defeated. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't think I would be in this battle again. I've already gone through this. I've already learned my lessons. Right, Lord, haven't I already learned this? And lo and behold, if I if I wasn't right there again, but what is true when those things happen to us is that you're really not the same person you were the last time you went through that battle. And don't let the enemy take back your progress. Yeah, you right. are further ahead than you were. And you can approach it differently. You don't have to have the same mindset. Mm -hmm. You might be faced with the same challenge, you know, but it doesn't have to be the same level of struggle. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, I think that's life. And I think that's called growing in maturity. That is the process. So Isaac was in that same headspace when he's faced with all this new quarreling from these new people in the valley. And he just makes a choice to not engage Mm. and to it's a hard choice yeah i'm not i'm not getting into this i will not lose this progress that i have made i'm gonna move along again so he does and they dig a well and then they sit back and wait and nobody argues about it nobody quarrels with them and so he names that rehoboth which just means broad place or room like finally i have room to breathe Mm -hmm. finally i can just be here and I can be the person that God has called me to be and I can grow and I can mature and I can live my life and I can live into the fullness of the promises of God here in my broad place. And, 
you know, if he hadn't made the choice to, to not get caught up with the oppositional people in his life, he would miss his broad place. Mm-hmm. He would have missed that. So he, would, he could still be at the first wheel arguing. He he would them. still be yeah. stuck wandering around in a land of opposition instead of making progress and getting into a place where he could breathe. Yeah. And y'all, I've been in those places before, oh, yes. you know, those kinds of toxic spaces where you can't breathe deep. You know, you just feel like everything you do is going to create some sort of problem and that's no way to live. Mm-hmm. And, um, Often, I'm choosing a lot of that myself just by making the choice to keep arguing. Yeah. When I need to just, I just need to move along. Yeah. yeah. But I wrote in the in the margins here. But when you've been hurt before, then you might still be expecting and looking for hurt still. Oh, I agree. And so I, I think sometimes we're we're constantly turning around and and going back to that those old mm-hmm. hurts instead of being able to move away and create space for ourselves. So I I like the idea of physical space, but I I love the idea of creating that spiritual space as yes. well. And I made a note to myself that was to stop revisiting those old memories. And going back to that, that I had to quit looking backwards and that start looking hard. around. Yeah. But if I look around where I am now, then I recognize my blessings. And if I look forward, then I see like where God's taking me. But if I keep looking back, then I'm constantly pulling those old hurts. And then I'm looking for someone to hurt me again, or I'm looking to get back into that opposition. Um, and so that's, that is something I can control. Mm-hmm. I can I can create and that's creating space from from those old experiences hurts part breaks whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I'm going to close this out. Um, this is the way this section of Isaac's story ends. It says, "From there, he went up to Beersheba, and that very night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you.'" And make your offspring numerous for my servant Abraham's sake. So Isaac built an altar there, called on the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. So I think that's really beautiful. That In that space, right, he moves even higher up, even closer to Beersheba. Has this really cool encounter with the Lord where he just reiterates all those promises. And he's like... I'm going to dig a well here, and this is now the source of my life is the presence of God where he has spoken to me. So may we all do that, you know, just get out of the toxicity and choose the spirit and don't cheat yourself of the Lord and all that he wants to do in your life and watch what he's going to do because it's going to be beautiful. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Embodied Holiness. You can find all the episodes as well as links to resources and bonus materials on our website at embodiedholiness.com. We also invite you to join the community on Instagram at Embodied Holiness. We'll see you there.